come one, come all. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. Truth still matters. The human person is made for truth. Despite this dictatorship of relativism, we breathe every day. This podcast exists in the stream of the new evangelization championed by Pope John Paul the Great and continue with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. We will have the opportunity to learn and reflect on the timeless truths revealed by God and deposited in the Catholic Church. If you're looking for apologetics or theology that can be applied to your life right now, you've found a new home. Stop drowning in the world of opinion and embrace yourselves for truth still matters. We've made it back for another episode of Truth Still Matters. I want to start off by apologizing. It's been a while since my last podcast, and it's been a nightmare not being able to podcast. Let me tell you, I came down with strep throat two times, and I haven't been able to talk regularly, and it's been horrible. I'm so grateful to God to have my voice back and to be able to bring to you another episode. Today's topic is a topic that really is a game changer. If you are wondering whether or not it really matters on what church you attend or what church you worship at, this topic should put an end to that questioning. It does matter. And the topic that we're going to be dealing with today is the Eucharist. Eucharist literally means Thanksgiving. Now, there are other terms for it. Communion, the Lord's Last Supper. But when I found out what Jesus intended for communion, I was convinced that being Catholic does matter. I went to Catholic grade school. I went to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic college. And I never knew what Jesus intended by communion. Not until I got older did I recognize the fact that communion is not a symbol. Not a symbol. Are you serious? Yes. Very serious. Hold on, and I'll explain. In order to fully appreciate the Lord's teaching on the Eucharist or communion, we've got to plant ourselves, we've got to immerse ourselves, we've got to marinate in the Gospel of John chapter 6 around verses... 30 through about 66. We're going to take some time 
to look at various uh, sections or pericopes here to dig out what did our Lord intend by the establishment of the Eucharist. Now, John chapter six is very unique. It's unique because it's tied to the Last Supper accounts in the Synoptic Gospels. Now, when I mention Synoptic, Synoptic means being seen from the same eye. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar to one another. So they are known as the Synoptic Gospels. And in each of those Gospels, we have a Last Supper account where Jesus and his 12 apostles are gathered together. They're reclining at table. And Jesus gives this profound teaching. And he starts off, well, that starts off, but the heart of that uh, scripture passage is, this is my body, this is my blood. Now, the Gospel of John does not have the Last Supper discourse with this is my body, this is my blood. But what John has is in chapter 6. And what connects John chapter 6 with the synoptic accounts of the Last Supper is that they both take place at Passover. This is the context. Now, it seems very obvious. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say, this is my body. Pretty point blank. Jesus is holding bread in his hands, wine in his hands, and he's saying, this is my body. This is my blood. St. Augustine, a church father, says that in those synoptic gospels, our Lord is holding himself in his hands. This is my body. He didn't say this represents. He didn't say this symbolizes. This is point blank. Now we can get into debate on what the meaning of is is. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste time doing that. But what I want to do is I want to go to John chapter 6. Because when you look at John chapter 6 and read that, in combination with the synoptic accounts. And doing this employs what's known as the canonical context, which means we use one part of scripture to help us interpret another part of the scripture. And this is critical. Vatican II pointed out this canonical context. And when we do this, we come to the amazing insight on what our Lord intended with the Eucharist. And it is incredible. It's life-changing if you and I open up our hearts to what our Lord intended with this teaching. John chapter 6 talks about Jesus being the bread of life. That all of our thirsts, all of our needs, all of our wants can be fulfilled in Christ, specifically in this teaching of him being the bread of life. He talks about how the elders, in other words, the Hebrew people, ate manna in the desert. This manna fell from the sky. It was a miracle. Manna, meaning what? Well, that's what it means. What? <laughs> what is this? They didn't know what it was. Food was coming down from the sky. They called it, what is it? Which is literally what manna means. What is it? And Jesus says that your fathers ate this manna in the desert and they died. 
but he's comparing how he is the bread come down from heaven. And he's able to actually give this bread to the people to eat. Now, just on a simple principle that the Old Testament always looks forward to the new. In the Old Testament, we have a miracle. Food coming down from heaven. You've seen that movie, haven't you? What is it called? Oh, man. I can't remember what it's called. Meat, meatballs falling from the clouds or something to that effect. It's crazy, right? Food is coming down from heaven. Miracle. Evidence that God is a loving God and he provides for his people. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus is saying that your ancestors ate this bread from heaven, this miracle bread, this wonder bread, and they died. But the bread that Jesus is giving leads to eternal life, and it's him. And he goes on to teach what exactly is this bread. Now, if we reduce what Jesus is saying to us merely symbolically taking his life in, is that greater or less than the miracle from heaven in the manna? It would be considerably less. Food coming down from the sky and Jesus telling us that we are to symbolically take him in, that's not a miracle. Jesus continuously talks about eating his flesh, how we must eat him. And there's a particular word that's being used here in the earlier sections before verse 54. This eat in the Greek comes from the lemma or the root estio. Actually, in the manuscripts, it's phage or phago. And this is the term that Jesus is using, which gets translated to eat. Now, he changes a Greek word when you get past verse 54. He goes from a steel, the lemma, to trago, which means to literally gnaw or to chew or to bite. The language gets very graphic. Jesus is not lightening up. You must eat my flesh. And he describes his flesh as true food, his blood as true drink. Now, this is a hard saying, not only for you and I, but for the apostles. They were like, who can take this teaching? Is he talking about cannibalism? We must eat him. And when he gave this teaching, many disciples turned away. Jesus lost followers that day. And what was Jesus's response? Did he say, oh, wait a minute, come back. You misinterpreted me. I'm, I'm at the symbolic meaning. No, he didn't turn it around. He didn't water it down. He continued with trago, trago. You must eat, you must bite, you must gnaw. And then he turns to Peter and says, well, what are you gonna do? I'm not changing my teaching. And Peter says what? Lord, where am I gonna go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? 
This is what Jesus is teaching. We must eat him. Talk about having a personal relationship. It doesn't get more personal than when you digest our Lord and Savior. As the Council of Trent says, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Now, some people object to it. Some people say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus goes on to say, I believe in verse 63, the flesh is of no avail. It's the spirit that gives life. And people interpret that as, see, Jesus is not talking about literally eating his flesh. He's saying that the flesh is of no avail. Wait a minute. If you totally spiritualize Jesus's, the flesh is of no avail. Then what are you doing with his sacrifice on Calvary? The second person was able to die because he had real flesh and that real flesh was separated from his human soul. So it's obvious that Jesus is not playing down the flesh. The flesh was the instrument for our salvation. We should never play down his pain. That was real flesh, real pain that he endured. But Jesus is talking about human understanding here when he says the flesh is of no avail. Human understanding does not get this. This is grace. This is given from above. What's given from above? The ability to receive Jesus' words and to take him and to believe him at his word. When Jesus says, this is my body, that's what it is. This is the omnipotence of God. Look at God in Genesis. He simply speaks and it is. He creates out of nothing, ex nihilo. Now we have the Lord speaking. This is my body. What used to be bread is no longer bread. What used to be wine is no longer wine. This is him. How do we know? Because he said it. And we take him at his word. His word is creative. And he's creating himself that we might digest him. That we might have his life reproduced in us. That we might raise up in this world of darkness and be saints because that is the ultimate call. The church fathers agreed. Justin Martyr, St. Irenaeus of Lyons, St. Ignatius of Antioch took Jesus at his word also that we must eat him, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. There were other examples where the apostles misinterpreted Jesus and Jesus explained the teaching. In this one, Jesus did not try to explain it. He kept saying, you must eat of my body. You must drink of my blood. Now, I understand if you're not quite on board with this, human reasoning can only go so far. But think about it, ladies and gentlemen. You might be struggling, but wouldn't you want this to be true? Wouldn't you want to be able to walk into a church and be with our Lord, his body, his blood, his soul, and divinity? Even if I didn't believe that, I would want that to be true. Christianity is about that covenant relationship in Christ. 
Now, the church has always taught this, and the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I do believe it. The church for 2,000 years has believed it, that what looks to be bread is no longer bread. Now, this is a game changer, ladies and gentlemen. It really makes a difference what church you're in, because there are some churches that say that that bread is not God. Catholics say that that bread is God. This is not just a minor difference. If I'm wrong, then I'm an idolater. I'm worshiping bread. If a person who doesn't believe it, if a person believes it's just a symbol and they're wrong, they're rejecting the living God. This is nothing to play with. And I'm here to share with you simply what has been shared with me. That Jesus promised that he would be with us to the end. And this is not just in a spiritual way. This is in a real way. Not to say that spiritual reality is not real. But this sacramental reality is oftentimes overlooked. And this is what we as Catholics have to be about. We have to spend time with our Lord. Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is awesome to be able to just sit in the room with him. This is a life changer if we let it. A miracle happens at every Mass. St. Paul is on the same page. He talks about eating the bread and drinking the cup. And if we do this without discerning, we are guilty of profaning, not just a symbol. We are guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. How could we be guilty of profaning his body and blood if it's just a symbol? It's not. It is the real presence of Christ. Let us never take that for granted. Let us look forward to the next mass because at every mass, heaven is brought down on that altar and we can partake in the heavenly banquet. Thanks be to God for the Eucharist. Amen. At this school when I sit, even just a little bit, I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split. When I submit, fall on the floor and adore. Can't get enough, got to come back for some more. Every prostitute and sinner, every human hypocrite can benefit in the school. Repent and commit as the incense rises up in adoration of the throne. Something happens to my wounded heart from all the love revealed and shown bright. Like Shekinah comes to my head to assist. The change and sustain the way I think it exists. To feel the bliss because my name is in the purpleized list That's what happens when you sit in the school of the Eucharist Be fertile and multiply, progenerate, procreate Yet we frustrate the divine plan It will only illustrate the disaster of being consumed by consumer culture Recover sanctity when spouses copulate This is something that the culture can't facilitate Instead.